Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, many times we believe that the season of wilderness is a season of punishment. How many of you guys have thought that? I know I have. Like, I know without a shadow of a doubt that when I feel like I'm in the wilderness, that God is not talking to me. I'm like, okay, God, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Oh, my God, it's because I lied to my mom the other day that I was actually at the movies and not at home. God, is is this it, God? Is this it? Sometimes we see it as God wanting to punish us. Or you ask yourself, what is the sin? What is the sin, God? What is it? But what if you're actually not in willful sin? It's just a season for you. And it's so perfect, and and we see it clearly in the story of Job. You know, I used to say job, by the way, because I just read it how, I mean, I just read it how it said it. You know what I mean? So I just said it how I read it. That's what I meant to say. And so I would just be like, you know, job. And they'll be like, who in the world is job? And I was like, whatever. But Job, and we see it clearly in the story of Job. The Bible says that uh, Job was a wealthy man. He had a huge family. He had extensive flocks. He was a man that was also blameless and upright. And he was always so careful to not do evil. But then immediately, in a time span of a day, he lost his flock. He lost his children. And he lost his servants. But yet he was upright and he was blameless. But yet he walked into this season. And, you know, sometimes it's so important to understand the season that you are in so that you know how to act right in this season. You know, I was talking, actually, this happened before here. I, I picked up my friend Eddie. He's like the best, y'all. I love Eddie. Hey, we work together, too. Everyone works with me. I'm just kidding. But um, I picked up Eddie. And we were talking in the car about just seasons and, like, the weather. And I just said to him, man, I am not ready for the cold weather, okay? I don't do no 30 degrees weather. I don't do no 20 degrees weather. Like, I just can't. And I started telling him, and he was like, wait, but then how was it in Miami? And I was like, let me tell you how it was in Miami. It was summer, like, 24-7. It could be February, and I could be at the beach getting the... Get in, exactly, praise God, get in the beach, come out, still tan, and it was hot. So it was like, it's February, and I'm, I could still be walking around in the bathing suit. It was all good, you know what I'm saying? And I remember the first time that I experienced the cold weather. And it was when I was going to go and visit my sister Jackie uh, while she was going to school in Ohio. And I, and I was like, I'm going to go visit her in October, right? Or November, one of those two. The point is it was very, very cold. But what I did was that I checked the weather, you know, the forecast, and it just said, oh, 20 degrees weather. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. I don't understand it. So I'm just going to take my big hoodie, right? I love traveling just with my big hoodie, a long sleeve shirt, some jeans, and my sneakers, right? And so I'll never forget the second that I landed there and I walked out of that airport 
Y'all, I was miserable. I didn't even take a scarf. I didn't know that it was your hands that you got to keep warm, you know, your ears and all this stuff. I didn't know because I didn't understand the weather that it became so miserable for me the whole entire time. My sister had to lend me scarf. Like, I literally wrapped four scarves because I was like, Jackie, I don't have anything. I did not come prepared. I came with the jeans with the holes in, you know, in my pants. I'm like, Jackie, I do not understand this 20 degrees weather. And so it was miserable for me. And if you don't act right in your season, you can make that season miserable for yourself. You can make it miserable for yourself. And here's the thing. The wilderness, you can't shorten it. But you can definitely make it long. You can definitely extend it. A season that was only supposed to last for three months because you don't act right and you don't behave right because you don't understand the season that you're in, you could delay it to three years. It's so important to understand the season that you are in. Because when you understand that this season of the wilderness is just because God wants to do something through you even though you don't get it, you come to understand this. This is me just passing by. This is not my destination. This is me just passing by. And I love it in the scripture. Job says in verse 23, it says, but he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. You need to understand that this season of the wilderness, even though you do not like it, it's not a place for you to build your house on it because it's just a season. You're just passing through. This is a season for you to understand the why. Why are you in this season? It's because God wants to make sure that you are prepared for your future, that you're prepared for what he has for you. He wants to prepare you and refine you for your next season. And I love it because the scripture is so, so clear that that's not where you should build your house and that's not your final destination because in Job 42, we read what God did and he doubled everything for Job. And so it reads, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. I don't know about y'all, but I love that. After my wilderness, God is going to bless me double. Hallelujah. Amen. I receive it. You can receive it too. Just say hallelujah if you receive it. And it reads, for now he had, and it says for now. For now, as in he's going to give you more. It just says for now. It says for now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. That season that you're in is for you to understand and to act right and know that that's not your final destination. 
and that even though you're in your wilderness, you can still be someone to live a long, full life. But once you've recognized the reason why you're in this wilderness and the purpose of the season, you need to allow it to refine you. So my second thought is you need to let it refine you. You know, I'm not very big into personality exams, okay? I'm not because I've done a couple, I'm like, this is this doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'm totally not completely this person, you know? And even though I take the personality exams, I still do not use my personality exam results to justify the way how I behave to certain things. Because the truth is that we have self-control. So just because it's a result, it does not mean that that's how you have to act and that's your excuse, right? That's just my little two cents about personality exams. You have self-control. Don't let that control your life and how you act. You can give your best all the time, not just sometimes because of your personality, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's this one personality exam that I took, and um, it was super interesting because it was my pastors, uh, Pastor Philip and Destiny, who I love so much, that they send me this link, and they're like, hey, Jenny, go ahead and take this. We always do this. Like, this is what we do for fun, like, to figure us out a little bit more. We just take personality exams or all these fun, crazy stuff, weird, whatever. And so we, I take this exam and then I read my result. My result was the enthusiast. Isn't that kind of obvious, right? Well, the enthusiast, the thing about the enthusiast is that they are the happy camper. They're the ones that are ready for a big party. They're the ones that are ready for the adventure, you know. I, am, I mean, I love adventure. Anyone that knows me, I can be on an adventure 24-7. My friends know how much I love adventure, that for my birthday, they gave me an adventure. They literally kidnapped me, and they took me somewhere, and then they surprised me with all my friends. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I was living my life for my birthday, you know. I was just so happy. As a matter of fact, let me tell you of how much I love adventures. Yesterday, I was at Whole Foods with my friend Natalie Dodson, and we were eating Whole Foods, and I was like, man, I just want to be in Dallas right now drinking some good coffee from that coffee shop weekend or something like that. Is that what it's called, weekend? Yeah. I was like, man, I wish I could be there right now. And she just said, well, Jenny, I mean, it closes at 6.30. If we leave right now, we'll get there at 5.30. And I was like, I have a credit card. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, and I got a car full of gas. And so we just looked at each other and I was like, are we going to Dallas right now, girl? Don't play with me. But we didn't because I needed to be responsible. I know, I should have, should have, could have, would have. But I was like, you know what? I need to I need to not let my love for adventures control me. But I can control it. And see, the best thing right now is for me to stay in the Shreveport. And so I went to Rhino Coffee and I got some coffee there. <laughs> That was kind of sad. But so back to the personality exam. So we were all in the so we were all in the living room. Even Shanti was there, Pastor Philip, Pastor Destiny, all of their three babies. We were all there. And they have a book that is attached to this personality exam. And so we started reading the personality exam, my personality, and then something just struck a nerve. 
And it starts saying, one of the reasons why an enthusiast loves adventure is because it doesn't want to deal with pain. One of the reasons why an enthusiast wants to stay busy hopping around, going to friends' houses and building puzzles that I'm not even interested in. You know what I mean? The only reason why I go is just because I just don't want to deal with pain. So I keep myself busy. And here's an example of me not dealing with pain and how an enthusiast deals with it. Someone, let's say you were to come up to me and tell me something super mean that hurts my feelings, my core. I'd be like, it's okay, they're having just they're having such a bad day. It's okay, the world's okay, it's just not okay. But it's okay, Jenny, you gotta keep moving forward. You don't even gotta cry about this, Jenny, just keep going forward. Another example to show you how serious it is that I do not like feeling pain. There was one entire week where we just had debts in our family. There was one day where one of my friends, one of my sister's best friends passed away. I was in college. And the way how we found out was through social media. My sister didn't even know yet. And so I drove to Tampa. I was in Lakeland, Tampa. It's like an hour away. I drove to her and I told her the news and I just told myself, I just need to take care of her, take care of her feelings, not me. And then when I drove back to school, my grandpa passed away from my dad's side. And I was like, I need to take care of my dad. I need to call him and make sure that he's okay. You know, there were things in life that happened that I did not know how to deal with the pain. So I would just put a Band-Aid over it. Like, let me take care of them. Let's not deal with my pain. But you know what happens when you do that? It's just superficial healing. It's just a superficial healing. It's just you adding a Band-Aid on it. That when you take it off, the wound hasn't even healed. There isn't even a scar yet. Because it's just been topped. It's just been, it's just been covered. It hasn't been dealt with. And so it's just superficial healing. And I didn't allow, and sometimes we don't allow God to take our brokenness to refine us. For us to sit down and be like, my God, I'm in pain. My God, I'm not okay with what's happening. But because we refuse to feel pain and to sit in the pain, we don't allow that season to refine us. I said we keep going with superficial healing when God wants to dig deep, deep, deep wells. When God wants to dig these deep wells so that you can actually learn how to walk in freedom. So that you can actually learn how to move forward from a situation that is painful but whole. And not just superficially healed. Man. That's why sometimes we linger in the wilderness because we don't allow God to refine us and we don't allow him to dig the super deep wells that he wants to dig. You know, I think about what God says in Isaiah 48. He says, I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I refined you in the furnace of suffering. And, you know, 
I know that we hear this all the time, but when you put gold in the furnace, what happens? When you put it in heat, what happens is that all of its impurities begin to come out of the surface, right? It begins to come out of seven. Now, I'm, I've only seen it with YouTube videos, so I'm actually seen. okay, it's true. You know what I mean? When you put the gold in the fire, the impurities begin to come out. If you allow God, you know, the reason why we're in the wilderness is because through this moment, there will be impurities in your life that you did not even know existed come out to the surface so that God can deal with that. But now the thing is, would you actually be able to allow it to refine you? Because the problem is that a lot of times we want to be the hero of a battle, right? But yet we don't engage with the battle. Sometimes we want to be the hero of the battle, but you won't even engage with your own pain. You won't even engage, engage with this challenge of like, God, this hurts, but I'm going to allow you. I'm going to win this battle because I'm going to allow you to refine me. You can't say that you want to be a hero of a battle if you're not ready to go ahead and engage with it. And engaging with it sometimes looks like sitting in your wilderness in pain and telling God, God, take this thorn out of my side until you're ready for it to come out. God, take this thorn out of my side until I learn what I need to learn, until you heal what needs to be healed so that I can move forward strong, not broken, and confident in who you are. And, you know, the other day I was talking to one of my great friends, and we were talking about the story of Jesus. And did you know that there are 17 years of Jesus' life story that goes undocumented in the Bible? There's 17 years and I truly believe that in those 17 years began the process of refinement. Refinement of like, hey, like God talking to Jesus, hey, here's your mission. You need to die so that somebody can live. Here's your mission. But right here in this, in this season of refinement, these 17 years, I need you to deal with that thought. And I need you to draw into me so that when you get tempted by the enemy, you will know exactly what to say. You will know exactly what to do. You will know that, hey, the bread, the, the life, the bread of life is Jesus. It's just not bread alone. Jesus went through a season of refinement. It was those 17 years that were undocumented. I believe it with all my heart. Will you engage with this battle and allow your wilderness to refine you? Will you be able to do it? Will you be able to say, yes, I want to be refined. I want to be healed no matter what it takes, no matter how much it hurts and how sucky it's going to be. And, you know, I started thinking, like, okay, God, like, being refined hurts, and it's sucky. So what do I do to, to actually sit in this pain? You know what I mean? What do I actually do to not be the enthusiast that tries to turn every, po every hurtful thing positive in a quickness? And it was a simple answer of, you just need to run to the secret place. You just got to find yourself in the secret place. 
You know, one of my favorite people, well, he's actually become more of my favorite person and character from the Bible. It's one of Katie Gooden's boys. It's David. How many of you love David? Love the story of David. Love how great he is and how poetic his words are. My, my, my. They're just so beautiful. But, you know, the book of Psalms, they're not all written in castles, And they're not all written with him sitting on a beautiful chair getting fanned with beautiful, I don't know, leaves, whatever. And being fed the best grapes and then a beautiful, like, wonderful foot massage. And the massage right there where, you know, the pressure points. Not all the Psalms were written in the castle and what seemed beautiful. Actually, a lot of them were written in the cave where it was dirty where it was messy, where it was ugly, where he was probably hungry, where he was on the run. These psalms are written in these, in these moments that just go either in the castle or either in the cave. But one thing that David knew was how to seek God, and he knew about the secret place. And in the life of David, we see that in the most vulnerable moments, what he did is that he poured out everything to God. He found his strength in God. And I love it because I really do think that David knew that it was in the secret place where he understood that God is okay with all of your humanity. That God is okay with all of your humanity. Now, y'all have never seen me in all of my humanity, but it's ugly crying. And asking the questions like, God, my heart is disappointed. I am hurt. God, this is painful. God, I don't know what you're doing, God. I do not know. And with tears just coming down to my face, God is okay with all of your humanity when you run to the secret place. That's the place for you to be in all of your humanity. He's okay with it. Because let's face it, sometimes our friends don't even know what to do with all of our humanity. I mean, I've been there before where I've been the girl, like all my humanity, and somebody towards me, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do. (laughs) Do I hug you? Do I leave you alone? Do I walk away? Do I tap you? I don't even know what to do. But God knows exactly what to do when you come to that point that you throw all of your humanity to him. And David was a man and a leader that poured out his heart completely. Even when it was ugly and it was disappointment, he knew how to just pour it all out. In Psalm 61, it says, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. When David was hiding in a cave from Saul, he said, I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings. Okay, pause. A lot of us think that this is super poetic, right? I remember reading this with one of my friends, and, and she was saying, like, I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings. Actually, this was my sister. And she was like, this is so poetic, Jenny. It's so beautiful. And I was like, Jackie, 
I don't think you get what he's saying. The fact that he's saying that I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings. This is David pouring out his heart and saying, I'm going to hide even if it's here in a cave, but I'm still going to pour out everything. I'm still going to pour out everything onto you. I'm still going to pour out my humanity onto you. It wasn't pretty. He was in a cave saying all these things where he didn't even have, I mean, Chick-fil-A, no milkshakes, nothing. It was just him and God. Beneath the shadow of my wings, that's not something beautiful like it was like an angel's wing or God's wing. No, it was in a cave. He was going to hide in a cave. Sounds poetic, but it really, it's not. And, you know, we need to learn how to pour out our heart. And as I was reading just David and his, all of his psalms and stuff like that, I do not think that it's a coincidence that God Number one, that it's David and it's a male. And so, guys, I'm going to encourage you right now. It's okay for you to pour out your emotions to God. It's okay for you to go up to the secret place and cry. It's okay for you to go up to the secret place and actually admit, God, I don't have a plan and I don't feel strong right now. It's okay for you to pour out your emotions to God, men, It's okay for you to do that. Women, it's okay, even though it's kind of easy for us, it's okay for us to pour out our emotions to God, to let God know how we really feel, how we really don't like this. But don't go and pour out your emotion on Netflix. I've been, let me tell you something, I've been there. I'm hurt. I'm like, I need to go watch Switch. I love that movie. Or Mean Girls. Or like just something. I'm going to pour out my emotions on that. I'm going to go ahead and pour out my emotion by going on social media and looking at everybody's life that's so amazing. But here I am. Not okay. We need to learn how to run to the secret place. You know, I'm almost finishing up and the band could just start making your way up here. But as you are in the wilderness, you still have to remind yourself who God is. And you do that by going to the secret place. You do that by pouring out your emotion. You do that by just praying to God. You know, if we look at Psalms 34, it says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will will be radiant in joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see. That the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Kind of scared me there, Philip. I was like, is there someone here? (laughs) Here's the thing. In your difficult seasons of life, hear me when I said seasons. It's plural. The wilderness doesn't just happen just with one first heartache. 
It's going to happen with a lot of different things because God is going to continue to want to refine you because he always wants to take you from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. But in this season when you engage with the battle, in this season when you're like, God, I want you to refine me. Will you still be able to remember who this God is and how good he is and that he's always good? Because here's the thing. If you do not act right in this season, you're going to magnify your pain and you're going to magnify where you're at, that you're going to stay stuck there longer. We need to be people that would be like, I'm going to engage with this battle. I'm going to take it and know that it's because, it's because God is building me. And he's going to make an impact in me and through me. And I'm just going to take it. And I'm going to go. And through it all, I'm not going to magnify my pain. I'm not going to magnify my fears of closing these doors. But I'm going to magnify this God that I serve. We need to get better at practicing that, at practicing magnifying God, magnifying the one that is able, the one that has been faithful from generation to generation. You need to be the one to magnify this God and make him bigger. And this is what to magnify means. Back finder my notes. It means to make something larger, to expand it, to increase to amplify and to intensify. I know that there's a simplicity to this message that I'm giving you. But my God, you can tell when someone runs to Jesus to find strength in God. You can tell when even when someone is in pain, they somehow still have joy because they're saying, I'm not magnifying this pain. I'm magnifying the one who is the joy. That his joy is my strength. You can tell when someone knows how to magnify God. Even when everything around them looks like hell. You can tell. And so this has nothing to do. And you being able to to tell about this person. It doesn't have to do because of their title. It doesn't have to do because we're here up on stage with our instruments, our voices, us speaking. It doesn't have to do with what your position is. But what it is is that we're able to, like I said, engage in the battle, but we're also able to pour it all out in the secret place where we find Jesus. And Jesus does this. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered his prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. I truly believe that those 17 years that were undocumented of his refinement allowed Jesus to be able to do just that to cry out and to seek the one that's willing to rescue him from death. 
if you could just stand to our feet. You know, this past, this past week, I had to do one of the most difficult things in my life. And it was actually on Monday where I felt like God confirmed it to me. Where God told me, like, Jenny, I need you to close this door. And it was a door that I had to close, and it was, it's somebody that I love. Somebody that we're tied. Somebody that's my best friend. Somebody that any creative, wild, crazy idea that I had, I would run to this person and be like, yo, 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 check this out. What do you think about this? Like, that's how tight we were. Like, we were just cool like that. But I felt God tell me, hey, I need you to close this door. And man, I had the conversation Tuesday night up in my office. And one of the things immediately that I wanted to do after I spoke to this person was get my keys and drive to Tinseltown and go watch a movie because it was, you know, the $5 Tuesday. I was like, well, it's a sign. This is why I did it on Tuesday so that I can go watch a movie on sale. But immediately as I was grabbing my keys, I was getting my book bag, already trying to turn something that is supposed to be painful and it's okay, I try to turn it into something positive. And immediately a worship song just came up. And it was the bridge of the song that said, of this song, it's called You Are Mine by Mosaic. And it just said, you are my hope, you are mine. You are my hope. You are mine. You are my hope. You are mine. And immediately I sat on my chair and I weeped. I cried. My God, I've never felt so much physical pain like I did in that moment. And I remember just weeping and saying, God, I'm not going to superficially heal myself anymore. I'm going to sit in the pain, and I'm going to let you do what you need to do. And my God, has it been difficult, and has it been hard? Yes. And the following morning, I, you know, was getting ready to go to work, and I was showering, and, and I was in, you know, the bathroom, and I was like, God, I was just scared of closing this door, because I think that I'll lose this friend forever. And they're so dear to me. They taught me one of the greatest lessons of life, and it's how to embrace people fully. God, why, why, why? I'm so scared that I'll lose this friend. And I walked out to the kitchen, and my friend Ashley Santos was there. I love that girl so much. And she just asked me, are you okay? Because she knew that I was having the conversation, or she knew something was up. And I'm putting my cup into the coffee maker and I was gonna be like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I could do this life again, trying to hide my pain and not admit that I was broken. And so I put my coffee under the coffee maker and I was like, I'm not even gonna lie. And I just started crying and bawling. And in my mind, I was like, God, I just want you to refine me. This is why I'm doing this. I'm gonna accept this pain. And immediately, so I live with Pastor Philip and Destiny. They moved me here. It's a wild story. And 
immediately their youngest daughter, I call her young Ella, she comes crawling to me, reaches her hands up to me, and I'm like, hey, baby girl, and I grabbed her, and she just laid her head on me. And here's one thing you need to know about Ella. Ella was born a month before her due date. It actually ends up that she was born on my birthday, July 27th. How cool is that? But as I was hugging her, immediately the Holy Spirit told me, Jenny, those things that you're afraid of losing in the wilderness that I'm asking you to close, I can bring life to that. I can restore that. I can give you something new if you let me in this season. And that's the thing. Even in your winter, God still wants to bear fruit through you. You know, an orange, it ripens during the winter. And it's God's design because it's during the winter that we need vitamin C. Isn't that just such a good God that even in the winter, he knows exactly the fruit that he needs to bear for all humanity. But not only that, an orange gets, and an orange does not get to its optimal sweetness until it endures the first frost. The orange becomes perfect to eat until it endures the first winter. And I'm just here to let you know, I don't know what season you're in. If you're looking at it and you're like, man, I'm in that frost. I'm in that wilderness. I'm in that moment of refinement. God can still bear fruit in your winter. God can still do it and God is still able. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co, and we hope that you have the best day ever.